in the Old Testament book of Psalms, Psalm 75, verses 6 and 7, it says this, For exaltation comes neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. But God is the judge. He puts down one and exalts another. As I read that verse, I'm struck by the fact that the author says that when God exalts someone, it neither comes from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south, but he omits the north. Exaltation from God comes from the north because he is above. This is just another poetic expression of saying what the main idea of this chapter is, which is this. The promotion or the exaltation of God's servants is the result of the providence of God at work in their lives. That's what we're going to see in Genesis chapter 40, verses 1 to 23, as we continue our look at the life of Joseph in the book of Genesis. Now, before I begin, I want to define a couple of words for you. What do I mean by the word promotion? When God promotes you, what's he doing? Promotion is the action of raising someone to a higher position or rank or the fact of being so raised. It's simply an advancement in rank or position. The term, another term I would like to define is providence. What do we mean by the word providence? God's providence. God's providence is the care or the guardianship and control exercised by God, divine direction. It is God's timely preparation for future eventualities. God's care or preparation in advance, foresight, God's providence. We're going to see that as God seeks to exalt Joseph and promote him from the prison. The question I ask is this, when we begin, is this, this is the question, what does God do when he wants to promote his people? What does God do when he wants to promote his servants? That's the question we want to ask when we enter into this chapter. We will see that the first thing that God will do when God moves to promote his servants is this. He will often start by placing them, his servants, in a position where they can make connections with influential people. That's what he will do. We see this in verses 1 through 4. Genesis chapter 40, verses 1 through 4. And it came to pass, after these things, after what things? After Joseph was thrown in prison for being faithful to God by maintaining his sexual ethics. And then he started prospering in prison. After these things, it came to pass after these things that the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their Lord, literally sinned against their Lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief butler and the chief baker. So he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison, the place where Joseph was confined. 
And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he served them, and so they were in custody for a while. What you want to see here is that the the main characters in the first four verses are the baker and the butler. That's where the author's focus is on, those two individuals. Now, what is it about the baker and the butler and their position? What, were, what was their function? Their function, the cupbearer or the butler's chief priority, was to provide the king of Egypt with his wine and with his drink. That was his responsibility. He had most likely an administration, a staff under him, and he was to make sure that the king's drink was safe enough for him to consume. For there were many people who wanted to see the king of Egypt dead, for they wanted power themselves. So this was a position that was very trusted. This was a trusted position, the cupbearer, as well as the baker. They weren't just people who supplied the king with food and drink, making sure it was safe enough to eat, and it met the standards for uh, a king's uh, diet. But these individuals were in close proximity to the king. They wielded significant political influence. These weren't just people who just served the the food and the drink. They wielded significant political power. We see this also in the book of Daniel. When Daniel was in Babylon, these cupbearers were trusted individuals and wielded significant influence. Um, The fact that the author wants to show the relationship between the king of Egypt and the butler and the baker is evident in the first two verses. If you go back in the first two verses, in the first verse, the author uh, describes the king of Egypt. He uses the phrase, the king of Egypt, twice. And then in verse 2, he uses the word Pharaoh. Why the subtle change? He addresses the king of Egypt twice in verse 1 and Pharaoh in verse 2. Why? Because he wants to show the relationship between the the butler and the baker with the king of Egypt. And to, to change the title, the king of Egypt, to Pharaoh shows the intimacy between the two. So he's showing you the relational dynamic of the butler and the baker with the most powerful person in Egypt, which is the Pharaoh. So these were very powerful, influential people that, that uh, are now going into the prison that Joseph is in. And Joseph has been charged with what? Serving those two individuals. They were, he was specifically charged and appointed to serve the butler and the baker. And the last little clause of verse 4 says that they were in custody for a while, ensuring that Joseph was going to have enough time to meet and establish relationships with two of the most powerful people in Egypt, the butler and the baker. And so what we're seeing here is the providence of God at work positioning Joseph in a place where he's going to come across two powerful, influential people in his life. And God is setting the stage for this. So we see in the first four verses that when God moves to promote his servants, he will often start by placing them in a position where they can make connections with influential people. We live in a world of, it's who you know. Isn't it true? That's how you get ahead. It's who you know with people. 
when Robert Kennedy was attorney general, he was reported to greet new young lawyers entering the department with the following message. This message may appear to be a large organization, but when you do something well, I will hear about it and it will go on your record. I want you to recall that I was recently a lowly worker in the Justice Department myself, but that I now serve as Attorney General due to perseverance, long hours, hard work, and the fact that my brother became President of the United States, not necessarily in that order. Right? It's who you know. If I am going for a position, for a promotion, and I have a coworker who's vying for the same position, and we're in equal ability, but I know someone who knows the person who's making that decision, the odds are I'm going to get the position because of who I know. God knows how the world works. He knows it's all about relationships. He knows how important networking is to get ahead. And so what's he doing? God is, not, God is the one who's putting those individuals in Joseph's life across Joseph's path in order to get him ready for his promotion. So that's how God will work, number one, by placing those individuals in a position where they can make connections with influential people. Number two, when God moves to promote his servants, he will often place them in a situation where their unique gifts can be utilized and recognized. Verses five through eight. Then the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison, had a dream, both of them, each man's dream in one night, and each man's dream with its own interpretation, that is, with its own meaning and explanation. And Joseph came into them in the morning and looked at them and saw that they were sad, they were disturbed, they were dejected. And so he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in the custody of his Lord's house, saying, Why do you look so sad today? And they said to him, We each have had a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. So Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell them to me, please. Now, in order to understand what's going on here, we have to understand something about dreams in that culture. How many of you dream? right? Some of you dream dreams, right? Some of the dreams, you know, you dream them, then you forget about them. They have no significance in your life at all, none, right? Other times you may have dreams that may be more vivid, and you may think there's something, is there a a message for me in this, right? That's how we often interpret dreams, and that's how we view dreams. In this culture, it was different, We have to understand that when they dreamed dreams, they understood dreams as a primary means by which divine revelation was being communicated to them by the gods, okay? So that's what's going on here, and the baker and the butler, the men of influence, on the same night, each receive a dream, but they're sad. Why? Not because of the dream. They're not sad because of the dream. They're sad because there's no interpreter of the dream. That's the problem. These are two individuals who have just been imprisoned by Pharaoh. They're under investigation, and they're in prison while their investigation is ongoing. And they don't know what the future holds for them. So while they're in prison, they receive these dreams, and they're like, okay, 
The gods must be conveying something about our case and our future. We want to know what the future holds concerning our situation, but yet we have no way to, to interpret this dream. They would have normally, under uh, normal circumstances, they would have went to the king's dream interpreters who were skilled and learned in interpreting dreams. But because they were in prison, they were cut off to that. Accident? No, because guess who's in prison with them? It's Joseph. And guess what he has the ability to do? Interpret dreams. This is not coincidence. This is God's divine providence at work, allowing Joseph, his servant, to be recognized with the gift that he has by influential people. This was God's doing. God was putting Joseph in a place so that he could be recognized by influential people with his giftedness. And when God wants to advance his people in this world, he will orchestrate the circumstances so that God will have you recognized by influential people with your giftedness. God will do that. And that's what he's doing with Joseph. Somebody once said, coincidences are God's way of remaining anonymous. That's what's going on here. It seems like this is all just happens to be circumstantial, but there is an, an anonymous God, if you will, quote unquote, that's working behind the scenes, and you can see how God is positioning Joseph, getting him ready to get promoted. That's what's going on. He wanted those people in prison, and he gave him the dream at that particular night, at that occasion, while Joseph was in prison. He could have given those dreams uh, before they went to prison, but he waited. God was the one who gave them them dreams. This is all God doing this. He's in control. Thirdly, when God moves to promote his servants, there will often be a strong desire on the part of the servants to no longer serve in the situation in which they are currently serving. Not only will God work on the outside of the person and work in the circumstances, he also works in the individual who's actually serving in him for him in a particular context. Read verses 9 to 15. Then the chief butler told his dream to Joseph and said to him, Behold, in my dream was a vine before me, and in the vine were three branches. It was as though it budded. It blossoms shot forth, and its clusters brought forth ripe grapes. Then the Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into the Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. And Joseph said to him, this is the interpretation of it. This is the meaning of what you have dreamed. The three branches are three days. Now within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head. The phrase literally means to summon your case to take up your case and summon you, and then he will restore you to your place, and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand according to the former manner when you were with his butler. But, Joseph says, remember me when it is well with you, and please show kindness to me. Make mention of me to Pharaoh, and get me out of this house. For indeed I was stolen, kidnapped, away from the land of the Hebrews, and also I have done nothing here that they should put me into this dungeon. He wants out of the prison. He doesn't want to serve in the prison anymore. He maybe never wanted to serve in the prison, but he's doing so. 
Here you see him exercising his gift, being faithful to God. But at the same time, there's a desire in him to no longer want to serve God in that particular setting. And when God wants to move an individual and promote an individual, not only will he work externally of the individual and their circumstances to get him ready for a promotion or her, but he will also work inside of the person to get them to want to move as well. There will be an unsettledness, a, a lack of contentment. If you're working at a job and, you're, and you're, there's a sense of unsettledness in there, it could be God could be doing something in you, getting you ready for something. It's possible. It's certainly happening with Joseph. That's what's going on here. Fourthly, when God moves to promote his servants, he will do so according to his timetable. Verses 16 to 23. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was good, he said to Joseph, I also was in my dream, and there were three white baskets on my head. In the uppermost basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh, and the birds ate them out of the basket on my head. And so Joseph answered and said, this is the interpretation of it. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head from you and hang you on a tree and the birds will eat your flesh from you. Now it came to pass on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast for all of his servants, and he lifted up the head, or summoned the chief butler and the chief baker among his servants. Then he restored the chief butler to his butlership again, and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted it to them. Yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. He wants out of the situation. But God is saying, not yet, not now. Joseph wanted to change his situation right away. God did not. God was not ready to promote Joseph yet. That is ultimately why the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. If God could cause the butler and the baker to have their dreams on the same night while they were in prison with Joseph, he surely could have caused the chief butler to remember Joseph before Pharaoh when the butler was first released. But he did not. The time was not right. Joseph would have to wait another two years before God would be ready to promote Joseph and cause the butler to remember him. This prolonged period of waiting would ensure that the primary reason why Joseph was promoted to prime minister of Egypt was because of Joseph's God, not because of his relationship with the chief butler. When, jo when it says that the butler did not remember Joseph, this is another way of saying that this was not according to God's timetable. Joseph wanted to be moved, but God was saying, I will move you, but now is not the time. And that is so hard. When you really believe that God is calling you to do something for him, and you're not content in the situation that you're in, and God may be moving, getting ready to move you, but he says, not yet. The time is not ready yet. If I'm going to promote you, if I'm going to promote you, it'll have to be under my timetable, my schedule, not yours. If you try to go ahead of me, you could actually delay the process because now I have to work to get you back on the path that I was, had you on originally. To actually speed up the process can slow it down. 
Just ask the children of Israel as they were trying to enter into the land of Canaan. Right? So here we see four ways that God will work in promoting his servants. He will get them to make, he will put them in a position where they can make connections with influential people. He will often put them in a place or a situation where their unique gifts can be utilized and recognized. They will often have a strong desire on the part uh, in themselves to no longer serve in the situation in which they were currently serving. And God will promote his servants according to his own timetable. And that's very difficult. But that's how God works. That's how he promotes his people in this world. That's how he did it with Joseph. And that's how he will do it with us. But now there's another question I want to ask. What does God look for when he seeks to promote someone? This is the application section. What does God seek for in an individual when he wants to promote someone in the world? There are three characteristics in the life of Joseph that stand out in this chapter that answer that question. Number one, the kind of people that God promotes are those who have a genuine concern about the needs of others. Number one, if God's going to promote you, and for him, you must have a genuine concern for the needs of others. What happened when Joseph was in prison and they had their dreams? Do you remember? Joseph walked into them, and he saw, he saw what? He saw that they were sad. He took notice. He had a genuine concern for these people. If he didn't have a concern for them, don't, don't ask the question. Keep in mind, he could have said this. You know, you Egyptians, it's your, it's your regime, it's your administration that put me in prison. I'm not going to help you. But he didn't do that. He had a genuine concern for the people that he was ministering to. And the kind of people that God will promote are going to have the same characteristic in them. If we don't have a genuine concern for people, he's not going to promote you. You may promote yourself, but we're not talking about self-promotion. We're talking about God's promotion. That's number one. Number two, the kind of people that God promotes are those who are willing to serve in obscurity. Where was Joseph serving the baker and the butler? In prison. You can't get any more obscure in prison. You say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, you, wait a minute. You said, you said those who are willing to serve in obscurity. Joseph didn't choose to go to prison. No, he did not choose to go to prison. But he did choose to serve God while he was in prison. That's the difference. Many people today would have responded this way. You know what? God if this is my reward for being faithful to you by trying to maintain my sexual uh, purity in this God-forsaken world, and my reward is prison, I'm not going to serve you no matter, where I, no matter where you put me. Joseph never does that. He was willing to serve these individuals in a place where he was not going to be noticed at all. And that's very important for people who want to get ahead today and make a name for themselves. People ought to be willing to serve God because they have a genuine concern for others and they must be willing to serve in obscure places. That's what Joseph was doing before he was promoted to prime minister. He learned all of his skills in the obscurity of the prison. Lastly, the kind of people that God promotes are those who do not seek to stand out and be recognized by influential people. Repeat that again. The kind of people that God promotes are those who do not seek 
to stand out and be recognized by influential people. It's one thing for God to do it. It's another for us to do it. I want you to notice very subtly, this is subtle, but it's very important. When the dreamers, the butler and the baker have the dream, they said to Joseph, we have each had a dream and there is no interpreter of it. And what does Joseph say? Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell them to me. Isn't that interesting? He uses the word God. He doesn't use the word Lord. This is When he uses the term God here, he's using the generic term for deity, God. He doesn't specify which God he's referring to. He doesn't say it's Yahweh, the Lord, the personal God, which would have indicated to the influential people that he was a Hebrew. He is keeping a low profile. If you ask me, John, who is, do you believe in God? I say yes. But you have no idea which God I'm referring to if someone were to ask me and they were just asking the question. I, I, could, I could believe anything is God or anyone Right, But when you say, do you believe that Jesus is Lord, now you're specific. Now you know exactly who I'm talking about when I say who God is. That's what's happening here. When he's talking to the Egyptians, the butler and the baker, they ask, he says to them, don't interpolations belong to God? In their minds, they could have just simply referred to any of the deities that were worshipped in Egypt. He did not distinguish himself as a Hebrew, he was keeping a low profile, which is very important because many people today who want to be advanced will intentionally seek out attention and draw recognition to themselves in order to get promoted. Joseph doesn't do that. God says, I don't need Joseph. You don't need to do this. I know your situation. You don't need, I don't need your help to get rec- to, for you to get recognized. I can take care of that myself. You know, for people who are seeking to get recognized in order to get promoted is an indication that their heart may not be right. They're more concerned about their status within society than they are about serving people and being faithful to where God has called them to serve. So we see here that Joseph in his response is keeping a low profile. He's not trying to show who he is. And that's important. Because this, the, 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 the business of promotion is God's business, not ours. So we shouldn't be concerned about it. When it's time, he'll do it. He will do this. Those who do not seek to stand out and be recognized by influential people are the kind of people that God will seek to promote. This is the story of Genesis chapter 40. God is absolutely sovereign and he is in control of our advancement. He was for Joseph, and he was for us. The only survivor of a shipwreck washed up on a small, uninhabited island. He cried out to God to save him, and every day he scanned the horizon for help, but none seemed forthcoming. Exhausted, he eventually managed to build a rough hut and put his few possessions in it, But then one day, after hunting for food, he arrived home to find his little hut in flames, the smoke rolling up to the sky. The worst had happened. He was stung with grief. Early the next day, though, a ship drew near the island and rescued him. How did you know I was here? He asked the crew. We saw your smoke signal, they replied. 
And though it may not seem so now, your present difficulty, whatever situation you may find yourself in, may be instrumental to your future success. That is so true. It was true with Joseph in Genesis chapter 40. It is true with you and me as well. We learn this lesson that the promotion of God's servants is the result of the providence of God at work in their lives. Praise God for that. We need to be attentive to his voice and be faithful to him wherever God has us until he decides to move us, and he will do it. Would you please pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your revelation and the lessons that you have for us uh, in the life of Joseph. Uh, Lord, we want to serve you, and we want to increase our influence for you in this in, uh, We want to increase our influence for you in this world. But you know exactly when the time is right for us to be elevated so that we can have greater responsibility in reaching people for you. Help us, Lord, not to get ahead of you, to trust you, to hear your voice, and to be faithful where we are at until you decide to move us. Lord, you're in control of all things, even the situations that we don't like to be in. We know that you're in control. And you're working out all things together for good to those who love you. We see this in the life of Joseph. May it be so in our lives as well today. And we'll give you the praise for when you do what you do through us. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Let us continue our worship this morning by singing our closing song, Once Again, Behold Our God. Would you please stand? Nothing can compare 
You ever see the commercial Allstate? Allstate insurance? They have their hands cupped like this, right? We're in his hands, okay? We are resting in his hands. He's working all things in our lives for good. And when he wants to exalt you in his hands, he just lifts you up. He exalts us because we're in his hands. May that be the case in your life and in mine. Because to be in Jesus' hands is much better than being in all states. No critique of all state for those of you who have it. Receive the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Now go in peace. Amen.